right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Standouts. With me, as always, is my co-host on Saturday Standout, Sam Daring. Um, Sam, go ahead and say hey, and then we'll, we'll jump into a little bit of introduction before we get into our actual show and our, our defensive end prospects tonight in the 2021 NFL Draft. I'm doing well, man. Um, you know, just, just midterm week, getting closer to closer to graduation. So, but yeah, I'm doing well. Excited to tackle the edge rushers. Yeah, it's going to be fun. A lot of big names on this list that a lot of people should know. Um, so it's going to be exciting. Um, but before you get going, obviously I'm wearing green. I can't tell what color Sam's wearing right now. Um, but <laughs> Navy blue on, but he's got a green wristband, so we'll count it. So nobody go and punch Sam um, while we're live on show. That'd be <laughs> awful. Um, but happy St. Patrick's Day to, you know, all of you Irish people out there. I have Irish heritage myself, so I do celebrate mm-hmm. um, St. Patrick's Day, but I was at work. Um, all day, so that was fun. Um, but uh, we'll we'll jump into a couple of our sponsors. Uh, yes, Jordy <laughs> Nelson Jersey um, making an appearance. It's one of the only two green things that I do own, um, and I, I kind of had to give an ode to my co-host here as well, um, who is a huge Green Bay Packer fan. So you know, something nice to to throw on for today. <laughs> Man, Washington football team hit Samuel, hit him for cheap. Very happy. Yeah. Um, I bet there's a lot of Washington fans out there. Um, that, that are happy that they got Samuel for as cheap as they, uh, they did. Uh, wide receiver market's a little bit different this year with another deep, deep draft and teams thinking they can get wide receivers for cheaper elsewhere. Um, Samuel coming off right there at a pretty cheap price. That's good for them. Um, but without further ado, um, if you're a gambling person like myself, you know, March Madness is coming up. That's, that's an exciting time to bet. If you even don't bet, you know, on a regular basis, head over to mybookie.ag and use code USN100 for double your first deposit. If you screenshot that and send it to us at Unwrap Sports, you will also be entered into our giveaway for um, the, excuse me, <laughs> Dave, David Montgomery jersey, right? And, um, yep, name, David right? Montgomery. It's David go. Montgomery jersey, um, running back for the Bears. Uh, it, it's signed as well, and you'll be entered into that. Just screenshot that if you go ahead and use that code on my bookie. Um, sh- send it to us, and you'll be entered in that drawing for that. Meanwhile, while I'm talking about that, our Patreon, um, it's awesome, guys. That $10 level level tier is where you can also get entered into that jersey giveaway ten dollars a month it's awesome you also get benefits such as being in the discord with a bunch of contributors and directors of the network which is awesome it goes 24 7 all day every day you also get entered into a ten dollar i think ten dollar amazon gift card as well on that level which you also get at the five dollar level um you also get entered into discord at the five dollar level and then on both levels you get a discount off of our teespring store um so if you head over to teespring.com you will find all of the unwrapped merchandise and gear there and you get 20% off on that $10 level and um, 10% off on that $5 level. If not support us, you just enjoy our shows. Um, you just want to be there for us, you know, your family or, or whatnot that's watching this friends um, just a, a dollar a month. It helps us, helps our network grow, be able to use a couple more resources like StreamYard here. You know, those things cost money to be able to do the technology that we use. Um, so it's we, we thank you for no matter what you're able to contribute. Um, but that David Montgomery signed jersey, and we do a monthly signed memorabilia giveaway at that $10 level too, guys. So, um, you know, it makes it worth it. 10 bucks a month, you're entered into a raffle to be able to get these signed memorabilia. Last month, we had a Keenan Allen signed powder blue jersey, and that was awesome. This month, again, the David Montgomery jersey. So it's great stuff we have going on over there. Also, rxhemp.com, uh, great stuff. It's all natural CBD pain relief cream. It's, it's a hot and cold um, mechanism like a lot of your other things, but it's all natural CBD stuff. So it's very soothing. 
um, on the joints and, and the sore muscles and the pain. Um, head over there to rxhemp.com and use code rxhemp-usn for 10% off every single one of your purchases, guys. Um, it, it's amazing stuff. I like to use it, you know, when my back after I've been standing all day at work and things of that nature. So um, without further ado, uh, we're going to jump into our 2021 NFL draft edge prospects, guys. And I'm going to let Sam take it away with the first one. Sure. Let's uh, let's start with the one that, you know, we've always been big on him. I've always been big on him from the start as well. Um, and that's Quiddy Payo from, from Michigan. Um, I remember writing a draft profile on him for the Cards Wire, um, you know, back in September um, and he blew up. I mean, this, and we've seen a lot of Michigan defensive talent come out um, and Aiden Hutchinson was the other guy. And now Aiden Hutchinson was out indefinitely with a leg injury and he's returning to Michigan, but Quiddy Pay, I think he is a top 10 prospect in this draft. I think he's um, arguably top 10, maybe top 15, but I would argue he is top 10. Um, there was a reason throughout the college football season you were seeing him um and you know so many first round mocks this dude is an athletic freak as an athletic guy from the athletic college football writer called him um he's extremely powerful he's active with his hands i'm going to keep bringing this up um his matchup with tristan works where he was beating him with his cuts and you know his technique and his speed on the inside um <laughs> um connie how's it going man <laughs> but uh yeah i mean pretty good <laughs> future um but yeah, I, I love Quiddy Pay, and I'm going to continue to be high on him. Yeah, I, I like him too. Both we're high on him throughout our shows that we've had on here. Um, it's been amazing to watch him grow from you know the previous season leading up to this season, and what he's been able to add to his repertoire at the defensive end position. Not only that, I think one of his biggest his biggest growth areas this season has been he's been moved inside a little bit more um, mm -hmm. and been able to you know learn those moves and how to get around the guys in the middle. And that, you know, is going to go a long way in terms of his NFL career. Like my, like yourself, Sam, I really like what he pay probably, you know, those first 15 picks, he, he's worthy of that draft grade. It's a matter on if, you know, how much teams want defensive ends, especially after the, you know, free agents frenzy that we're seeing going on right now. I mean, there's not a lot of defensive ends changing teams or, or anything compared to um, other positions there in the NFL, but um, Quiddy Pay, I, I think he has all the rules, and he, he's not necessarily going to come in and be the most productive guy right off the bat. He'll be productive for you. You know, I mean, he could shock me as, as long as he, you match him up with somebody on the other side as well that could be productive or like able to draw the attention away from him. Then you could see him kind of flourish a little bit more. Um, but, you know, if you give him a couple years and you mm -hmm. give him time to round into his NFL style and grow on the things that he's already learned this past year at Michigan, as well as what he's going to be learning in his first year in the NFL and maybe another year after that, then you can really start to see Quiddy pay, you know, take off the guys, um, a big man. I think he's what six, seven or six, four, excuse me, um, two seventy seven. Uh, he's just going to do great. He's got great size, speed, athleticism. Um, his, his technique, like I said before, is improving. And he's got great upside, and, and that's a huge thing when you're looking at edge rushers here in the draft. Yeah, and I mean, this is another position, too, um, that, you know, we don't know how many numbers. Like, we don't know the amount of edge rushers we could see go in the first round. Uh, we've seen an ample amount, right? We've seen Patrick Jones, Joseph Osai, both guys of which we'll get to, even Jason Owe. Um, you know, Quiddy Pay, I think, arguably, is going to go in the top half of the first round. Um, and, you know, if there is one knock I would if I would have to give him. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a red flag, but um, you do see him play a little high with his initial step off the ball. Um, and with that, you know, he'll, he'll tend to play high at times. 
Um, but I mean, that to me, that's an easy fix. And I, this is the reason I wrote it for the Cardinals because they needed big edge rush help. But now after the JJ Watt signing and, you know, trading for Rodney Hudson, keeping Marcus Golden, even signing AJ Green today, they might look later for an edge rusher and look for a guy like JC Horn in the corners, which we'll get to in later episodes. But um, if I'm looking at a team that needs Quiddy Pay that would benefit very much from Quiddy Pay, I am looking at the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and you look at Daniel Hunter the other day, Daniel Hunter might hold out. Um, and, you know, they need another star. And they restructured Anthony Barr's contract, so he very well could be on his way out. He basically took a pay cut to stay in Minnesota when he initially had signed with the New York Jets. So they bring in Quiddy Pay. He is their defensive player of the future. I love it. Not necessarily as a Packer fan, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good move for them. I, I agree with you. Um, Anthony, uh, Connie coming in here saying collab's going to go crazy. Uh, it absolutely is, guys. Um, forgot to mention that to start the show, but – uh, if you guys pay attention to Unwrap Sports and the Unwrap Sports shows, uh, we have Saturday Standouts here, which is more of a college-based leading into the NFL um, type of show. And then we've got the Hard Count, which is like the NFL show, um, which they they do late at nights. Um, I think is it Friday nights? Um, they, they usually go live. I'm, I'm not under uh, sure. The Hard Count, I want to say it's Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights, Tuesday nights, yep. late at night. It's it's something like that because it's usually when I have another show and I, I try and get over there immediately after and watch it. And that makes sense because I do have Tribeholics on Tuesdays. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Tuesday nights, they go live, hard count. And they got great stuff. It's him and our guy CJ over at the uh, – it's Connie and our boy CJ um, here at the Unwrapped Sports Network. They're great guys. We can't wait to collab with them. We're going to slide over to their show one night and then another night um, they're going to slide over to ours. And we're super excited because – It'll be two different mock drafts and, you know, things are going to be constantly changing um, leading up to the draft as well. You know, you start looking for trades at that point of the season and we're both excited. Um, both of our shows are excited to be able to join each other. and can't wait for that. Uh, but yeah, Quiddy Pay, um, he, he's a boss. I like him a lot. It's all about improving uh, for him when it comes to the next level. Vikings are a good fit because they obviously need help on the edges and they're sitting right there in the middle of that first round. So um, that's a good spot for, for Quiddy pay to go. And, you know, we'll move on here to our next guy, Sam, and we'll just go, uh, we're not going in any specific orders. So uh, if you guys want to judge us for not putting these guys in, in an order, <laughs> go ahead, let us know in the comments, whatever. Um, but our next guy on the list is going to be Aziz Ojolari, who is a edge rusher out mm-hmm. of Georgia. Yeah, I know. And, in- 6'3", 240. This is a guy that you had a hot, lot of high praise on, Caleb, you know, during the season, mm-hmm. um, previewing these eligible draft prospects. And this is another edge rusher um, with the opt-outs of guys like Gregory Russo, um, you know, that did come out of nowhere and th- that did come out of nowhere and just blow up college football. Uh, you know, some people have, I was looking at, a, you know, the draft network. I want to say it was Jordan Reed. He's got Aziz Ojolari as his edge rusher one. I personally still have Quiddy Pay, but he's got Aziz Ojolari. Georgia had their pro day today. I want to say his 40 was around 4.83, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he's got an ample amount of speed. Love his footwork. And he's, as pro, fo- pro, pro Football Network likes to say, he's a gifted pass rusher. with, And I think he definitely has elite vision. Um, I think he's got a very successful career. Um, and if there's one team that I think should be just looking at edge rushers, Anyway, in this draft, even arguably, maybe even drafting more than one, that's definitely the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, Tennessee needs help on the defensive line as well, whether that be in the middle or on the outside. Um, they could definitely go for both. You know, maybe go two defensive ends. You know, the Jadavian Clowney experiment didn't work out for them, and they got you know ran on. They got passed on a lot last year. Their defense was in, or any close to a resemblance as it was the year before. 
um, and they need some serious help. So that would be a good pickup for them. Um, Azizo Jolari is probably the most polished pass rusher in this draft. So I, I don't understand. I understand why some, like people have him as the number one overall pass rusher. Um, I mean, he, I think he posted 91.7 pass rushing grade this past season um, at Georgia, which is aston- astonishing for, you know, a kid still in, co- in college. So um, I think the only problem that comes to mind when you think of Aziz Ojulari is that he's small. He yeah. is very small for, for an edge rusher in, in the NFL. You're going to need to beef up a little bit. You're going to need to get stronger. I think he only weighs about 240 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not what you need going into the NFL. You need to add a little bit of weight, which I'm sure it will once you get mm-hmm. into that regiment. But you expect a guy who is at an SEC program like Georgia to already have those types of things figured out. Not not the case here for Ojulari. So I guess that's the biggest question mark. But man, is he effective when he comes up? Um, I think one of his mantras, or you know, a quote that he likes to live live by, is if you beat him with your hands, you beat the man. Um, so he, he uses his hands a lot. He, he knows how to maneuver the offensive lineman to, you know, better put himself in a position to get in the backfield. And that's what I really like about him. He's very versatile, knows what he's doing well. Um, and the only question mark again is his size. What are we going to see him do leading up into the draft? Cause you can get bigger, um, in plenty of time from, from here to now, you know, not mo- monster gains or anything like that, but big enough to where you can make it look a little better. And hopefully you retain the same speed athleticism you have heading into the NFL season. Obviously there's an off season too. Um, so you'll be, you'll have time to get into shape there. Um, but yeah, I really like Azizo Jawari. And like you said, I was high on him, you know, when we were talking about um, where we doing an sec at the beginning of the year or something like that, or maybe defensive. Uh, yeah. I think you were covering like, you know, guy to watch um, something like that. It had something right, to do with right. it, you know, previewing the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christian but, yeah. is say, saying he's a baller. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's athletic and, you know, he's got a lot of like, – like, I don't want to put – I don't want to repeat what you just said, but, um, you know, he is athletic and, you know, you see a lot of fire and explosion off the ball from him. But, I mean, he's not the only edge rusher. There's a few more that we'll get to here, but he's not the only edge rusher that um, does lack size. Yeah, he, he's not. It's <laughs> plentiful, and especially at the college level. So you see that transfer over to the NFL, and it usually pans out in the right direction um, mm-hmm. there. But we'll, we'll hop off of um, Aziz Ojolari here, and let's just get into you know a couple of the teammates that we have on this list, and that's going to be Gregory Russo, Jalen Phillips, who uh, Christian is coming in here and asking about um, right now, and that was a perfect transition because let's attack them. They're next on our list, and um, I'll let you start with whoever you would prefer. Yeah, and I think the edge rusher that everyone's going to be anxious to see where he falls is Gregory Russo. Um, and, you know, Jalen Phillips was a guy that, you know, the opt-out of Gregory Russo helped him, right? Because he was not one probably the only edge rusher because Quincy Roche we had a lot of high praise on. He had an up-and-down season. He affected his draft stock pretty decent in a pretty decent amount. <laughs> um, but, you know, Gregory Russo is 6'6", 260 pounds. He's massive. And, you know, if you're looking at a guy like I would have loved him on the Cardinals if they wouldn't have snagged J.J. Watt on that. It was a two-year, $30, 31000000 million deal. But, um, you know, I think J.J. Watt – or not J.J. Watt. I think Gregory Russo has the talent, you know, to come in and be that day one starter. I think it, for a team that desperately needs an edge rusher, I think Gregory Russo, you know, has the talent to be that edge rusher of the future and be that lead number one guy in that edge rusher room on an NFL team. 
he's been the consensus number one overall pass rusher since the mm-hmm. get-go when we started talking about this class. Um, you know, well, not before, because obviously people talk about it, like Jalen Phillips was the five-star number one overall recruit coming out of high school, and you're trying to, you know, pan them out three, four years after that. Um, but when it kind of came down to it in the past two seasons or so, Gregory Russo was that guy. Um, that was on everybody's radar. And I did him, you know, opting out obviously didn't help this past season. Um, but you just look at the numbers that he was able to put up in in the season before this in 2019, 15 and a half sacks total, 14 of those unassisted in 13 games, 22 tackles for loss in 54 tackles, two forced fumbles. Um, just a, a hell of an athlete, a motor, it seems like. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that think he's overrated. I, I'm not sure what the case and everything is behind that. Um, I guess it's just because he, I guess people don't view him as a true edge rusher. Um, so like most of his production came inside when he was going inside against guards and, and centers and being able to blitz up the middle that way instead of going on the outside. So I guess that's really where the question mark comes into play for him. And that's why people don't really see him as an edge, but more of a guy who can, you know, flip right in back and forth. And at that point, do you ask him to move to an outside linebacker position? Is, is he fast enough to be able to play that position if he does lose weight? I don't think that'll happen. I think he'll be fine as an edge rusher. Um, but I, I guess that's the only knock that a lot of people are having on him now that and the opt out of the season, uh, you know, kind of hurt his draft stock here. But like you said, Sam, you, you think he's the best, you know, edge guy in this draft. And, you know, it's highly possible that he could be just because he's a, a absolute freak of nature. He's super tall, um, six, six to 60, just massive frame of a man. And, you know, um, speaking on Jalen Phillips, Jalen Phillips is the, that actually played this past season, the transfer from uh, UCLA, I believe. Um, so that's the guy that got out from Cali down to Miami and obviously Quincy Roche, the transfer from Temple. Mm-hmm. And so you were expecting big things from maybe both of them or at least have Quincy Roche be the number one guy. And it turned out to be the opposite. Um, Jalen Phillips ended up being that guy and he really showed off what he was able to do um, this past season. You know, he didn't have very much production leading up into this past season. So I guess that's another question mark with him is 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 this just a one-hit wonder type deal? Um, he he was all constantly in the backfield, whether he got the sack or not. Um, another big guy, 6'5", 266. Um, very good size, speed, athleticism, and strength. He had 45 total tackles last year, eight sacks, a pick, and three passes knocked down. So he does a little bit of everything. He's more of that balanced type of defensive end instead of just trying to bull rush and get to the backfield. Um, he is actually watching the quarterback, what they're doing. And, you know, that it fits the NFL mold a lot, I feel like. Yeah, and I think another thing before we go into Jalen Phillips here, um, to point out about Gregory Russo, I definitely feel like one of the reasons people do think he's overrated is because he does have a lot of limited elite tape. He came out with 54 total tackles and 15 and a half sacks in 2019, was sidelined with an ankle injury in 2018, then opted out. So, I mean, he does like, yes, he does have limited amount of tape to look at, but that limited amount of tape shows you that he is capable of leading, of being an NFL, you know, franchise cornerstone of a defense. I don't necessarily think he is the top edge rusher. Um, I went in, I went into the, I think a lot of us went into the season, um, you know, thinking it was Gregory Russo, but Quiddy Pay to me came out on top. Um, Aziz Ojolari is passing people up. I would probably put Russo right behind Quiddy Pay and Aziz at three. Um, but I mean, I'm glad you brought up the idea, you know, of him moving on the inside. 
is you're we're potentially going to be seeing that um, out of Las Vegas with the Raiders, right? And they went out and signed Yannick Ngakwe. Cleveland Farrell was an edge rusher out of Clemson who, you know, total Mike Mayock pick, reaches for a guy like him at what, I think it was four or five, I think it was four. Um, and, you know, we're probably going to be seeing him playing a good amount on the inside. So, um, and that Cleveland Farrell's 6'4", 265 pounds. So, um, but yeah, I mean, back to your point on Jalen Phillips here, and you're right, Quincy Roche was a guy that, you know, I was pretty high on coming into the season. And, you know, we might not see him till maybe even a very early day three pick, a third round at the very earliest, uh, because I don't think he's going in the first two rounds. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Miami had their pro day yet. Um, and as I mentioned, Georgia had theirs today. But um, And right, like Jalen Phillips, like with the opt-outs of Gregory Russo, um, and Jalen Phillips was a guy that certainly came on top. Yeah, he did. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even think about the Raiders and what they're doing. Um, I just choose not to pay attention to them because it's, it's, I just don't understand what Gruden ever does. Um, like what kind of decisions he makes sometimes is whatever. But apparently there's more going on there that we don't know about. I mean, apparently Derek Carr is a dick and not a lot of people like him. Um, so that is what that is. We're not, not going to turn this into a Raiders show. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Quinter Rocher kind of fell off the map there. He's dropping. Um, I see him, you know, being right around that third round too. Um, maybe even later, just because he didn't have a whole lot of production. Um, but Jalen Phillips is coming out game was against my Knowles. Um, he just made our offensive line look silly. Obviously, for State's offensive line isn't anything to, you know, scare people in the first place. So um, you know, Jalen Phillips just had a day and everybody was like, ooh, like this is gonna be like mm -hmm. this guy is, you know, somebody to keep an eye on. Um, came in, you know, highly touted out of high school, number one overall recruit, went to UCLA, had some injury concerns there, um, ended up transferring to Miami and being a very productive player this past season. Um, do you, as an NFL GM and NFL coach, those injury concerns, you know, sway you off of him at all? To me, if I'm an NFL GM and I see a guy that has, you know, already red flags of an injury, um, like, I mean, to me, that is a major red flag. Um, but I think Jalen Phillips certainly does have the talent to go in the first round. Um, this is, you know, outside of the edge rusher. Uh, actually, you know what? No, actually, I'll, I'll say with the edge rusher, Rashawn Gary played with a torn labrum. And, you know, he refused to have surgery and played through his rookie season. And I understand a torn labrum does affect certain positions more than others. Like you saw Jonah Williams out of Bama. Um, he had a torn labrum. Um, offensive tackle for the Bengals going into, I believe it's his third season now. Um, he was sidelined his rookie season and, you know, Rashawn Gary had the choice to take surgery, but he refused to have surgery. Um, and, you know, he might not have, that's another guy. And I, I don't need to go too in depth with this, but I mean, that's another guy that, you know, might not have, ha might have a limited amount of elite tape, because if you look at his college tape, he's getting double teamed a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I'm seeing a guy, if I'm seeing someone like that, that has, red flags like that or injuries major injuries i should say that to me is a red flag um but i mean gregory russo had one one injury um and even jalen waddle like i've heard i've heard someone say durability um and it's one injury like if it's yeah. one injury that's that's one thing but like if it's something out but if it's multiple and multiple then yeah i would definitely say that's a red flag um, but jalen phillips has certainly made a case for himself to be in the first round, is he solidified? I don't think so, but he certainly has made a case for himself to be selected in the first round. 
Yeah, um, I, I think so. Gregory so easily. I think Jalen Phillips is right there. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. He'll, he'll most likely go in the first round, I would believe, as well. Um, I, I just see them as being a two lethal threats that a lot of people like to see. And, you know, Jalen Phillips with that complete tool set I was talking about earlier that a lot of NFL teams covet now in a defensive end. He fits that mode, that mode very well. Um, and then on the other side, Gregory Russo can do a whole lot of different things and is just a, you know, unique specimen when it comes to the defensive end position that you can move inside, outside as well. So um, both two good guys. They'll probably go the first round. Um, a guy that not necessarily will go in the first round, um, but let's cover him because it's a name that a lot of people know, and that's Joseph Asai out of Texas. Yeah, I don't remember what the game was. Um, I think it was this year. Um, but this is a guy that, you know, has made plays from all over the field. I'm trying to remember what game it was. Where he it was sacked, one of the, um, the, for the win. I think it was. Might have been Oklahoma or something like that. Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State. I think he sacked yep. um, their quarterback to win the game in overtime. Sanders, yeah, Spencer Sanders. Yes. Yeah, I think that was the one. I think that's the game I'm thinking of. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean – this guy, I think he does a really nice job against the run. Um, we'll get to linebackers next week, I'm assuming, because that's another guy I like against the run as well as Nick Bolton. But we'll get more in depth with him probably next week, I'm assuming. But, um, you know, Joseph Osai is a guy that can make plays from all over the field. I, If I remember correctly, I feel like I've seen him. I, I feel like I've seen people mark him down as a linebacker, um, but, you know, more so as a nudge rusher because of his elite speed off the ball. Um, and I think that's one thing that definitely stands out for him is his speed and his vision. Yeah, I think he played off the ball um, prior to last season, you know, pretty much the whole time while he was on the mm-hmm. field. The past season, he was kind of mixed between the two, depending on what formation and blitz packages that, you know, Texas wanted to run. Um, he, he had very overall average grades or sitting around 81, I think, in both pass and rushing, um, which is pretty solid for for an edge guy. Um, and he gives you that versatility, knowing how to you know come off the edge as well as just working in at the defensive end on the line of scrimmage. Um, and he was on the field a lot last year. Um, he was on the field for an average of, let's see here, 65.3 snaps per game, which is pretty much a whole game if you think about uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, that's a lot, you know, or on the defensive side of the ball, excuse me. Um, and in the, especially there in the Big 12 where it's a lot of plays being snapped. So, um, you know, he was on the field a lot. I don't know if that has anything to do with his durability heading into the NFL. If anything, I think it makes it better for him to be able to withstand the long season that is required in the NFL. Um, other than that, he's just overall, you know, a limber guy, um, nice flexibility and coordination, good with his eyes. Um, when it comes to being able to, to spot the ball in the backfield. So um, overall, pretty solid guy. I, I don't know how high he'll go, um, but, you know, he, he'll be a serviceable defensive end, whoever gets to pick him up. Yeah, I mean, I think I, he is um, – sorry. Um, I think he does show a lot of versatility and reliability. What did you say, 63% um, of what the snaps played? Um, yeah. You know, there's one knock I've seen people give him is, like, you know, his ability – to take those hits, um, to take mm-hmm. some of those hits that he's taken. I know Pro Football Network or someone was Troy Pauling um, said that, you know, he's after he takes his hit, it's tough for him to get back into his actual playing form. So I think that's one th- area that he'll need to work on. He, he certainly has the size um, to make a case and prove um, prove people wrong with the right coaching. Um, but I don't necessarily, I don't think he's going in the first round. Um, I think he's one of those edge rushers that you know, you know, we'll see very early in the second round. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, uh, he'll be good. Um, it, like I said, serviceable to whatever team he gets picked out by. Um, but let's keep it moving here and we'll go to a guy whose name is might might not be as widely known as a who's kind of in a similar role um, that Asai has, you know, whether that's off the line of scrimmage coming off as an outside linebacker or on the line of scrimmage as a defensive end. Um, he's at a Washington 6'5", 262. Yeah, um, Joe Tyron. <laughs> but, yeah, 6'4", 251 pounds, um, you know, shows a lot of – Shows a lot of speed and explosion off the ball. Has a lot of upper body strength. Um, I've seen him in a few mock drafts, and I've seen him at 29 to the Packers. Um, wow. But yeah, <laughs> very surprised by that. But you know, after this was before they ended up restructuring Preston Smith's contract, which they did, I believe it was last week. Um, did Zadarius? I think today it was Zadarius Smith. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I like Joe Tyron. I think he could also be a very serviceable guy. Um, you know, the Washington defense, the Washington front line has breeded talent, at least some sort of talent the past few years. So, yeah, it's a very trustworthy program to go and bring, you know, a guy in off of the defensive line. You can trust it. They'll be solid. Um, his grades weren't all that great, you know, at Washington. Um, but if you go and watch his tape when he played, he didn't play this past season or he played a little bit or no, excuse me. He, dis- he opted out of this past season um, because it was a shortened season there in the Pac-12 to six games. Um, and so the season before that, you you go and watch his his highlight tape against Panay Sewell, and you know you'll be impressed by the flashes that this guy is able to have on who we both agree on as our number one offensive tackle in this draft. Um, so you look at what he's able to do there at, at high level competition, like Sam, you already said. Um, to your point, he, he's a very agile, quick, aware guy in, in the hole. And I guess the thing is here with him as well is like there's those flashes, but where's the consistency? Um, that's why you see his grades kind of slip a little bit, but um, I think most projections I'm seeing him, it's probably around rounds two to three, um, depending on who wants to take him there. But guy has a lot of potential. I will say that. Yeah. And like, like you brought up the versatility and Joseph Osai, and you also brought up where's the consistency, which is a great point. And um, I've seen some people say like, could he be like a reliable edge rusher or could he be a guy that's, you know, a primary primarily off ball linebacker. Um, so, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see, you know, what type of position, um, he's put in, um, depending on where he's drafted. Um, but yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll be good. And, uh, we'll move on to a, maybe a household name. I hope Amber's tuning in right now. Um, and that's Ronnie Perkins uh, and right there out of Oklahoma. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I feel like I remember Ronnie Perkins playing on the inside a little bit, um, you know, right. throughout his career. Because um, I've seen him, you know, a lot of people have him as a D-line. A lot of people have him as a, um, you know, an edge rusher. Um, and this is another guy, displays a lot of reliability. He started for the past three years at Oklahoma. He's a 6'3", 247 pounds. Um, depends what his primary position is. If he's a guy that's going to be on the, you know, the inside, doesn't necessarily, you know, might have to gain bulk a little bit. Um, but you know, I love this guy. He's very explosive off the ball and I, I, I think he's got a bright future. I think he could be a very serviceable guy. If you're looking at the guy, looking at a guy like him, um, could display a lot of versatility with the green Bay Packers. If you wanted to put him over on the inside, have him put on a few pounds, um, and put him next to Kenny Clark and be that rotational guy. Um, or even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you got a Dominican Sue gone. Um, I don't think they've re-signed him, but 
there's plenty of teams that I think that could uh, that I think Ronnie Perkins could do very well with Ronnie Perkins on their team. I think Ronnie Perkins is kind of the forgotten edge of this mm-hmm. class. Um, if you remember correctly, he was suspended um, the first. I don't remember. I think he only played six games um, this past season. Um, he didn't opt out or anything. He was suspended for for the beginning part of the season. Um, so I think a lot of people forgot about him. And you know, to end the season and in his final five games, he racked up 31 pressures in those five games. You, you talked about his size. He's not the biggest guy. He's kind of one of those leaner types mm-hmm. of edge rushers there. But if you watch the way that this guy plays, you will see the aggressiveness, the energy, the edge that he just puts into himself on every single play to just get to the backfield. And he does a great job at it. He knows how to do everything extremely well. Um, he's fast. He's physical. Um, he's dominant. Like that's just know how to put it. He just comes with a lot of anger and attitude when he comes off that ball. And that's going to be very, you know, welcomed uh, into an NFL team and NFL defensive line. Cause that's what, you know, NFL coaches, NFL GMs, defensive coordinator attitude when they come off the edge to the quarterback who want to, you know, put him in the dirt and everything of that nature. So I, I really like Ronnie Perkins. And like I said before, I think he's kind of the forgotten edge defender here that could go early in these rounds that a lot of people have forgotten about. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy from what St. Louis it says. Um, and, you know, he was D tackle recruited as a D tackle. Um, but this is another guy that, you know, not only has displays his versatility on defense, played a little bit of, um, Play a little bit of tight end in high school, um, so you know we we probably did see him you know bulk up a bit for that defensive tackle um, for his time at defensive tackle. I'm sorry, I'm just seeing this Minnesota Minnesota Vikings have signed Patrick Peterson to a one year ten million dollar deal. Uh, that's breaking news here. Breaking news here per uh, per Saturday standouts. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> per per Saturday standouts. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, I I, th- I agree. Like, I think Ronnie Perkins very well could turn in to be a sleeper pick and even a steal in a draft. And I think if he's coached the right way, I think he could have a very, very productive NFL career. Absolutely. Um, I like him a lot. You know, maybe those questions come into context when he goes through his process of interviews with the NFL teams about his suspension, why he was suspended, what led to those um, events or activities that happened and maybe, you know, he can kind of shed some light on that to them and mm-hmm. you know, NFL teams won't necessarily take too much of that into account. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I don't necessarily know where I would see him going. Um, you know, probably I would take him second round personally. Um, I, I, that's where I like him to fit out or fit out, excuse me, but I wouldn't, you know, be surprised watching him slip into the, into the third round, maybe even late third round. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely say he's definitely, I think, late second at the very late or very earliest. Excuse me, um, but I would definitely say he'll fluctuate somewhere in the third round. Certainly, yeah. day two pick or first. Yeah, game. It, it just makes a whole lot of sense for him, and you know, it's unfortunate <laughs> for him, but um, somebody's going to get a, a nice, nice piece um, right there in that in that middle round and in three or later. Um, that'll be a good pickup for any team. I feel like in the NFL, if they can snag him. Um, we'll keep it going here in uh, another name, Carlos Basham Jr., um, defensive end out of Wake Forest, who I think, you know, earlier in the season, a lot of people, including ourselves, had Carlos a little bit higher, especially at the start of this year. But uh, where do we see him now necessarily fitting? 
Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, this guy was probably a solidified first-round pick. And um, I, I think out of all of these positions that we're seeing opt-outs, I think the edge rusher is probably one of those that hurt um, the most. Um, because Gregory Russo hurt, uh, opted out, Joe Tyron opted out during the season. Um, I think Osai did as well. But I guess we'll, we'll just say Carlos Basham Jr. and you know Gregory Russo. We're seeing multiple of these guys. Like Gregory Russo, Carlos Basham Jr. is a he's huge. <laughs> he's huge. And I, I think I think he would benefit very well, you know, playing next to playing next to a veteran. Um, if you're looking at a team, you know, the Cardinals only have five picks. The Cardinals have what the first, the second, and the third. If Basham falls to the third round, Basham could be a guy that, you know, people might be surprised if he falls as far as he does. Um, and you know, he's one of those guys we'll get to another guy in Peyton Turner from Houston. Wake Forest isn't this jaw dropping school. Yes. It's a power five conference. It's in the ACC, but you know, Sam Hartman wasn't terrible. They don't have Jamie Newman. They didn't have Sage Surratt. Wake Forest wasn't this jaw dropping team. And, you know, we're, and Carlos Basham Jr. was the leader of that defense. Yeah, I think he's probably the most hyped edge rusher coming into the 2020 season just based off the production that he had in 2019. Um, he had a 90.6, you know, pass rushing grade in 2019, and then that fell to 77.2. Um, this past season, he still showed production um, in terms of pressure the quarterback and, you know, showed some consistency with what he was able to do in 2019. Um, but it was really at the senior bowl when people started to pay attention to him again. Um, he showed his skill set and be able to rush from the tackle inside sub package, which helps in being that versatile defensive end that teams are looking for now. Um, the one thing I do have to say about Basham this past year, it looks like he let his weight kind of dictate the plays that he would play hardest on. And, you know, you get tired at, at I mean, he's a big guy. I think he's like one of the bigger edge rushers we have in this draft um, in terms of weight and size. And but you know he kind of showed a different skill set and maybe was putting forth a little bit more effort when it came to the Senior Bowl and showed out a little bit more. Um, but he'll be a solid guy. You can see him probably anywhere from the end of round one to to round three as well. Um, like a lot of these guys are right now, they're pretty solid guys overall. Um, but yeah, he you know like you were mentioning played for Wake Forest. Um, the <coughs> offensive lines that they face in the ACC are okay. Um, maybe slightly above average. They're, they're not great uh, offensive lines by any means, but um, it's still a solid competition that you're going up against in the ACC. He did play extremely well in 2019, so you can't you know take that off of him. But um, one thing that you notice from watching his film is his inside swim move is absolutely beautiful. Um, it, it just works almost every single time, no matter who he's going up against. And you know that's on the you know, on the film for the team leading up to it. Watch his swim move. He loves the swim move and he's very good at it. So watch that. Um, so he's good at that. I guess that takes a little bit of less effort at the size that he is. And that makes him effective in that um, way, but he's going to have to learn a little bit more. And that's why I said that at the senior bowl, seeing him use a little bit more of his, you know, versatility and the things he's been learning probably helped him in terms of, you know, getting drafted higher in this draft. Yeah, and actually, that's exactly what I was going to say is, yes, he's very, very elite with the swim move. And, you know, if if it works, 
why not use it more? But I mean, like you just said, like he needs to be more creative. He's not very polished with his technique. Um, and that, that comes with coaching. And I, I don't see him as a guy that can be this day one starter. Um, and that's why that's why I put him in the senior bowl, you know, guys to watch for the Cardinals, because you got Chandler Jones on the other side, who is, you know, arguably one of the most consistent, one of the best edge rushers in the NFL today. Um, and what better guy to learn off of than, you know, than JJ Watt now and um Chandler Jones, excuse me, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just blanking here, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, that that's definitely the one knock that I would give him is he's not very polished in his technique. Yes, he does have that elite swim move and elite swim move, and you see a lot of that. You saw a lot of production. Um, you saw a lot of positives from him in the Senior Bowl, but I think that's one area that he does need to polish up on. Is he, we need to see more from him than just the swim move. Yeah. I completely agree. And that's what he needs to expand on when it comes to the next level, which you, you can learn those things, you know, you can mm -hmm. use different portions of your body, different, you know, levels at which your shoulder pad is where you're dipping, where you're not dipping and things of that nature. And he'll learn those things um, over time. It's just about, is he going to be able to retain them and use them when it comes to game time and time to put them to use. Um, so that's a question mark there, but um, our next guy is going to be Jason Owe. Um, did I say it right? Yep, Jason Owe. <laughs> Jason Owe, um, edge out of Penn State, perhaps probably the next freakiest guy, if not the freakiest edge defender next to Russo in this draft. Just very ridiculous freaks of nature. Um, you look at him and his body is exactly what you want out of, out of an edge rusher as a guy who does what he does, takes a lot of hits, um, makes has a lot of contact. Um, things of that nature. He's just a, like, you, you could just imagine him just being in the gym, like all day, every day, like leave class, go to the gym, go to class again, come back to the gym. Like that's all this guy does and looks like, um, but I'll let you expand a little bit more on Jason Owe. Yeah. And I feel like I've seen a lot of indifferent opinions on Jason Owe. Um, I know Mel Kuyper Jr. was one to say that he would have benefited if he would have stayed back at least one more year, because maybe he doesn't have that, you know, limited amount of elite tape to show. Um, but I mean, like you just said, I mean, he's certainly made, do I think he's going to be in the first round? I don't necessarily think he's going to be, I think he's going to be, I don't remember who I just mentioned earlier as being, um, you know, one of those early Jalen Phillips. Um, actually, I think it was jo Joseph Osai, it was Joseph Osai, um, as being one of those, you know, list of early edge rushers that we'll see taken, um, you know, in the second round. Um, and I think Jason Owe has the chance to develop into a very, very productive edge rusher if he's on the right team. Um, I think if he goes to a team that just really doesn't have a solidified number one, he might have a little bit tougher time in my opinion, but I think if he goes to a team, um, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, I guess like a team that just has already has that solidified guy. Um, or even if he drops to the third round, you have JJ Watt for two years. You have Chandler Jones already on that contract and they Marcus Golden will be gone probably after a year unless he just blows up. But um, why not the Arizona Cardinals in the third round? There's there's multiple teams that I think could very very well use him. Um, but I, I think I think with the right coaching, I think this is another sleeper. There's another Penn State guy that I'm anxious to get to because I think he's another sleeper in this draft. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jason Oa, uh, you just like I said before, he's a freak of nature. Um, reportedly runs a sub four four forty. Um, for, for an edge and a guy at 250 pounds is pretty, 
pretty scary if, if you think about it. But, you know, the thing that I have a problem with here, and I think a lot of other people do, is you don't see it translate to the field. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been effective for him. He did post five sacks in 2019, but in this past season, he recorded zero, um, no sacks at all in, in, in this past mm -hmm. season. So that's, that's worrisome. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of that might have had to do with him improving his pass rushing. Um, his pass rushing went a lot better this past year. I think he rose his pass rushing grade by like 15 points or so when it came from 2019 to 2020. Um, so he's definitely growing in some areas and probably still trying to keep, you know, what he kn knows and understands about rushing <laughs> quarterbacks. So um, a very good developmental prospect for whoever can nab him in the NFL draft. Yeah, I fully agree. Yes, sir. And then um, we'll go to another guy at Penn State. We'll, we'll stay here with the Penn State guys, and that's going to be Shaka Tony. Yeah, and this is a guy that I've had a lot of high praise on. Um, and, you know, like Gregory Russo, with the opt-out of Micah Parsons, we saw the emergence of Shaka Tony and Jason Owe. Um, you know, Shaka Tony, to me, he's, what is he, six, he's 6'3", 253 pounds, tremendous burst of speed, an ample amount of athleticism. Uh, if I had to give one knock, you don't see a lot of consistency with um, his technique. Um, and I, I think that is one area he'll definitely have to polish up. But I think this guy's screen consistency. You could argue his stats were better than Jason always. You just mentioned that Jason always didn't have a single sack. And, you know, talent-wise, Jason always very well could be that guy that's more talented than Shaka Tony. But Shaka Tony has showed it on the field more this season, at least, um, than Jason always. But I have a lot of high praise for Shaka Tony if he's in the right situation. Um, and this is a guy that to me, I think is a very easy guy to root for. Um, I think he'll go, I, I think he'll be a very, very, I would say very, very early day three pick. Um, I would be a little bit surprised if he goes in the third. Um, but I, 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 I think he's got the talent to do very well in the NFL. He does. He's another one of those small guys um, that we're sitting here talking about. Um, not very big at all. 6'3", 252. When you're talking about an edge position, um, you want a little bit taller, a little bit you know, more meat on their bones. But um, he had a pretty – you said consistency. Um, that word stuck out to me. Very consistent over his time at Penn State. And I think a lot of teams are seeing him more as an outside linebacker fit. So um, maybe not necessarily right there on the edge. Probably fits best in a 3-4. Um, maybe even since he, he does p possess that speed off the edge and, you know, can also do all the technical things that you need to happen at the outside linebacker position. Um, he did a great job last year after getting off, getting to the quarterback and then, you know, had improvement there, um, stopping the run as well, which I guess both the guys from Penn state made it, you know, a thing this past season that they needed to improve their run defense at, off of the edge. Um, but yeah, I probably see him somewhere in that four to five round, you know, area that that's kind of where we'll see Shaka Tony. Um, it's probably a lot to do with not a whole lot of production, but you know, enough uh, on top of size question marks as well. And teams not necessarily needing outside linebackers and, you know, they need more of a, a straight edge. So um, that's kind of where you're looking at Shaka Tony. His numbers are better than OA, but OA has the potential to be to be a different impact player when it comes to the edge position in the NFL, um, so I, I guess that's kind of where you see Shaka Tony. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess in other words, the higher upside. Um, I mean, right. Shaka Tony may have been the guy that you know has proved it, not necessarily proved it, but has shown it more than Jason Owe at the college level. But you know, Jason Owe, like you had just basically alluded to, um, 
he has, I would argue, I would agree with you as well, Caleb, that he does definitely have the higher upside um, than Shaka Tony. And another guy like we have gone through this list now, a little bit undersized. Um, and, you know, that might scare shy. That might cause teams to veer away. That might cause teams to draft him earlier if they see his athleticism. Um, you And by consistency in his technique, I mean, you see a lot of times he'll use his rip move. And then he'll play too high, and he'll let his athletic. You'll see you see a lot of defensive edge rushers, especially, who will let their athleticism get in the way of their you know their technique. Um, and I think Shaka Tony tends to be one of those guys that does tend to play too high at times. Um, but he is very powerful with his rip move. Um, you see a lot of creativity, but um, I just think he needs to polish that up. And I think the biggest thing for him is his consistency with his technique. Yeah, if he if he becomes a fundamental guy, you can see him in the NFL on the field, you know, consistently. And you're you're not going to hear his name, mm-hmm. but he's going to be able to do his job the proper way. And that's all you can ask for out of a guy like Shaka Tony. So, um, with that being said, let's go over to um, another ACC team who has a couple guys in here, and that's going to be the Pitt Panthers. Um, they have obviously Rashad Weaver, and they also have Patrick Jones, um, who is in his own right just as good as Rashad Weaver, but um, go ahead and start with either one of them. I'm not going to, you know, be picky here. Yeah. I like, I remember doing, I think it was our first mock draft. I don't remember where he, we had him, but you know, I, I convinced him to put Patrick Jones in the first round and we did. Um, I love this guy. I think he's got the elite body frame um, that could do very, very well in the NFL. Um, and you know, he's very lengthy. He's very, very active with his hands. Um, there's another guy that screamed consistency last ta- or last season. He had, you know, 43 total ta- 43 tackles, total tackles, 12 for loss and eight sacks, which was second team all, all ACC. Um, and his draft side, I think he's going to continue to rise. I think we could see him as early, you know, as the second round. Um, and who else opted out? Jalen Twyman opted out. Paris Ford opted out. And, you know, I'm going to continue to say this too. They might have gotten crushed against Clemson. And Patrick Jones might not have had this elite talent, but he displayed his high motor and his explosiveness and his speed off the ball in that Clemson game. And that is one area, even the commentators as well were showing high praise for that. Um, Clemson might have destroyed them, but you know, if you look at a guy, if you look at specific players from that pit defense, I think Patrick Jones was the guy that stood out. Yeah, uh, Patrick Jones, him and, you know, Rashad Weaver next to each other, that it's scary sight and um, or on each opposite edge of, you know, the defensive line. Um, but he, he consistently went up in sacks each and every year at his time in pit. Um, also went up in tackles for losses and tackles as a total. Uh, put on great film. And, you know, it's really, really telling about a player when he puts up his best film up against the best offensive line in, in your conference. So, um, you know, he, he's going to be a big guy. He's, he's 264, 64. He can be one of those steals, but there's a lot of talk amongst people that um, either love him or hate him. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of people who really don't like what he can do. They say he doesn't have the bend or, you know, the footwork to get around the edge like they would like. Just being, <clears> you know, that's not an issue. He's figured that out and he's going to be able to utilize it in a, in a better mode than he does currently and he'll be able to grow into that and they see him as like a a round two guy um so there's a you know a wide variety of spots that a lot of people see patrick jones taking we were high on him you know to start this year because of the ending that he had to his 2019 season you know shortened season put up just a little bit higher numbers um so that was good 
you know, you see the improvement over that time. Um, I would still probably stick him right between two and four, see him as a, as a round three guy. Um, so we'll see what happens. And do you want to talk, we'll talk about his teammate, uh, Rashad Weaver. Um, I'll let you take it from there. Trying to yeah. find him. And, you know, this is another guy, this is a guy I believe you were high on. Um, I think you right. gave a lot of high praise on him you know, during the season. Um, and, you know, he is coming off, I, I want to say, from his, from the season pre prior, um, he's coming off an ACL tear. Um, so I think that, you know, his early injuries may stand out a little bit, um, but he certainly has the talent to go in the first three rounds. But, I mean, I think the one thing that does stand out is certainly his, you know, his not really lengthy injury history, but the fact that he has, like, very er in injuries early in his college career. That, to me, sticks out, um, you know, not as much as other players just because it's not a length. It's not as much of a lengthy injury history, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's something to worry about. Um, he <clears> showed <throat> when he did come back that he was going to, he was okay, um, mm -hmm. but he didn't really necessarily, you could tell he, he didn't look necessarily comfortable doing it, even though he said he was at 100%, you know, still takes some time for you to fully trust that. And that's kind of what it looked like at times. Um, when he went to the senior bowl, he didn't look all that impressive. Um, he looked impressive in one on ones, but when it came to the game time, he didn't look or show um, a whole lot to NFL scouts that were there. Um, he's another one of those guys here with Pitt that is, it's a love hate thing. Um, they love some things about him. They hate some things about him. And, you know, it's the speed off the edge. What are you going to be able to um, Are you going to improve your footwork? How are you going to improve your foot speed on the edge there and be able to bend around, excuse me, in an offensive tackle and get to the quarterback, you know, get low. Um, as they say on the defensive line. And that was kind of worrisome for him, but he is a strong dude, um, a big guy, and he'll be able to frame out and learn a lot, I think. Both of these pit guys are developmental. Um, I think they they have the pure talent and athleticism to be able to do it. It's getting the fundamentals down for both of these guys, being able to be the disruptive forces they are without having to overuse their talent and athleticism during a game and instead relying on their fundaments and techniques. Um, Perry hopping in here and saying, hey, at the end of the show, what's up, Perry? How's it going, Perry? What is going on, buddy? Um, but yeah, I'll let you take it from here, Sam, because <laughs> I know there's a few people that you wanted to, you know, go off of and, and maybe mention real quick. Um, and and I'll let you run off those real quick because I don't have them on my list anymore. Um, yeah, and you know, there's one guy that stood out to me. Um, you know, with the Pac-12 shortened season, I remember talking to you about the Pac-12 too, and like this is this is a conference that I think everyone should be very excited about for you know, the future of this team, because there's a lot of young talent that, you know, I think people should know about more. Um, and, you know, there are two, there were two of my favorite guys. If you remember Talano Hufanga, who I think is a draft riser. I think he deserves to go in the first three rounds, at least the third round. Um, and if he falls, he falls, but I think he's going to turn into a steal. And I think he, you know, he was the leading tackler for the Trojans, you know, the past, I think either this season, or the last or both. I think he's got the talent to be a hybrid guy. You look at Hamso Nasraldine as a hybrid guy. I think Hufanga has got the size and the talent to be that hybrid guy for an NFL team. Um, and I think he's going to be a very exciting player to, to watch. Another Pac-12 guy I looked at a lot, which you know we'll, we'll be diving into. Um, after the draft, he'll, hopefully, is Kayvon Thibodeau, um, a top recruit, played in, played in Oregon. Um, he'll be draft eligible for 2022. I think he's the best talented, most talented guy in the draft. As of right now, you know, we could see guys come out of nowhere, um, as we said as we did with Joe Burrow in 2020. But 
Um, you know, Hamilton Rashid Jr., the big thing that definitely does stand out to people is his size. And that's another guy that, you know, we might not see him go in the first three rounds. He might be a very early day three pick. And because of his size, you might see you might see teams try to veer away from him. Um, and, you know, he also played at Oregon State. And, you know, Oregon State, if he would have played at a team like maybe Washington or Oregon, he maybe would have gotten a little bit more attention. But, you know, he lit up the Pac-12. I think he was one of the most underrated edge rushers, um, you know, draft eligible edge rushers in this in the Pac-12. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a name that a lot of people should have, you know, in their memories based off of what he was able to do in college. Um, so, you know, just keep an eye out for him. Uh, I'm not seeing him on a lot of things. Um, and just something I quickly want to point out since I'll give my two edge rushers from Florida State a little bit of love here too. Joshua Kando and Janoris <laughs> Robinson um, didn't put put up the stats. Obviously, Kando had his injury issues, but um, they're both freaks. Um, like when it comes down to it, they also went through a lot while they were in college, <clears throat> going, changing different coaches, changing defensive coordinators midseason, changing schemes on a constant basis. One going down with an injury, the other one becoming number one over, overall guy and being the most productive at that time. Um, and you know, each of them are, are most likely to get drafted. I, I'm seeing, you know, uh, <clears throat> a Janoris Robinson anywhere projected from about like three to six. Um, in those rounds, and then Joshua Kando from like five to seven, and maybe even free agency. So um, a little shout out to those guys. If you get them healthy and you put them in the right positions, they will be productive for you. So um, I, I think they'll be solid pickups no matter where they go. Yeah, I remember, I remember texting you about Joshua Kando. This dude's a mountain of a man. He's six seven, two hundred sixty five pounds. But then again, I think if he gets drafted, it's going to be sixth or seventh round pick, and I. If he goes on draft, I wouldn't be too surprised. I think his injury history is definitely going to stand out. But he's a six seven, two hundred sixty five pound guy that you know has you know has shown his capability of being like not necessarily he hasn't shown his eliteness, but he's shown his productivity. He's going to be hard for a guy to pet for a team for an NFL team to pass up on with that size. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, with that being said, is there anybody else you want you want to highlight before we we go ahead and hop off here and say goodbye to the people? Uh no, I think we got. I mean, there's there's multiple. We we probably missed a lot. Chris Rump, Peyton Turner, but Austin Watkins out of UAB. But you know, that's more research for us than everyone else. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guys, if we had an hour and a half show, we would do it. You know, we, we would break it down for you guys as much as we could. But we try and hit hit the quick thing. Especially sports people out there that were paying attention to drafts. Um, you know, fantasy people as well, um, not necessarily on the defense side of the ball, but, um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. But some people play with defenses, so they pay attention to this. But this is also interesting to see where your team might lie. Who, who do we like that, you know, you might start liking a little bit more because you start doing research on them. So um, it's fun to bring you guys this um, week in, week out. Um, I think we'll probably just move on to the next level of the defense next week, and that'll be linebackers. I don't know if we're going to do inside and then outside um, separately yet. Um, Sam and I will discuss that after the show and figure out um, what's going on with that. But we thank you guys again. Head over to our shop at teespring.com backslash doors backslash unwrap. Head over to patreon.com and search um, unwrap sports network. You'll find us there. Join one of our tiers, guys. Come join us. Have fun with us. Um, there's a lot of exclusive content, especially when it comes to the gambling side of things. There's always conversation going on in those in that Discord group chat. You get awesome perks, like in that $10 level, you get the signed jersey or signed memorabilia. You get entered into that giveaway, so that's awesome as well. Um, use code RxHemp-USN at RxHemp.com for 10% off every single one of your purchases. 
on all natural CBD pain relief cream, guys. Great hot and cold remedy for the sore joints and muscles. And then, of course, back to that gambling stuff. Like we were, I was just talking about the exclusive gambling content in the Discord. If you are a gambler, head over to mybookie.ag and use code USN100 for double your first deposit. It's a minimum deposit $45. So you deposit $50, you get $50 in free play. Again, guys, that code is USN100. And specifically for this month in that David Montgomery signed jersey giveaway that the $10 Patreon level members get as well. If you enter this and you screenshot it and send it to us at the Unwrapped Sports Network, um, whether that's Perry, our founder, whether that's the main page, whether that's our show's page, um, whatever it is, send it to us. And you'll also be entered into that giveaway for the signed David um, David Montgomery jersey there, the running back for the Chicago Bears. So um, it's been an awesome time, Sam, and you know we'll be talking soon.